Hello and welcome to another episode of West Franklin Talks. My name is Dave Cruz and you can't see him, but our campus and teaching pastor Matt Pearson is across the room. Good morning, afternoon or evening. And he may or may not be dancing in his chair to this music. So It's just so fun. It is. It's a fun little song. We're thrilled that you've chosen to spend a little time with us as we talk about all things the church at West Franklin, even though we aren't gathering and we're exploring some topics that we feel are uh, pertinent and useful and hopefully encourage you through life. So Matt, how you doing, man? Dave, I am today I'm doing fantastic. Is there anything that has made the, the day fantastic or is this just a uh, speak it and it's going to be? I had Wits barbecue for supper last night and I'm God willing, having leftovers for lunch today. Man. I grew up on Wits barbecue. Yes, that's good. So it may not be everybody's favorite. Sure. And I love numerous places to eat. Hogwood is another favorite. But I grew up on Wits, and I was over there by there yesterday, and I picked some up. Well, that's good. You talking about lunch made me realize I left my lunchbox in the car. So as soon as we get done here, I got to run and go get it. Yeah, you having Wits? No, I've got just am. roast beef sandwich. Uh, yeah, you're the you love barbecue. I don't get into barbecue quite like most people do. You, so you don't mind it. I'm finally at the point in my life where I will eat it again. I went through about a 15 year period, maybe even longer, that I wouldn't eat it. Really? So yeah, when I toured, we ate it two to oh, three times time. a day. Yeah. And when you're on the road as much as I was, eating barbecue 60 to 70 times a month. It got a little old. Yes. 60 to 70 times a month. It felt like it. It probably wasn't quite that much, but it was really close. Well, that that makes sense. We need to do a podcast where we talk to you about your roadie days and your yeah. long, long hair. If you call me a roadie, though, I'm going to throw stuff at you. So Long hair. Your touring days. Yeah, touring days. Yeah, my long hair, earrings. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah those fun days. I've got some fun stories and that good was, memories. That was pre-Matt days. I didn't I didn't know Dave then. That was pre-everybody days. Let's yeah. just be honest. It was pre-Melissa, <laughs> pre-Noah, pre-ministry. So, yeah, okay. it was good times. We'll yeah. talk about it one year, yeah. maybe in 2025. So. so Yeah. So, anyway, I'm happy because I had wits. And we are getting a patio put in our backyard. Nice. And they're going to be pouring concrete tomorrow. And I'm hoping by the time the weekend is over that I'll be able to sit out there. Yeah. It's supposed to be a nice weekend. Should dry pretty quick. Are you going to help them pour it and smooth it out? No. Why not? Pay pay, pay them for. Okay. If you say so, man, I'd love to get out there and... You guys can't see me. I'm that's, doing the arm motions. Those, those are amazing. Those are. It's totally. Don't forget, not, we're Baptists. Don't dance too hard. Hey, that's not. You were the one dancing, man, not me. <laughs> so I'm. I'm smoothing out concrete over here. So, oh, all right, Matt. Enough of our uh, stupid banter towards one another. Hopefully, kids aren't listening. You just heard me use the word stupid. But if they are, kids don't use that word. <laughs> and uh, what are we talking about today, Matt? Here I am laughing, and it's a very ser- serious topic. Yeah, I want to talk about today. Right when the coronavirus began to take effect, meaning everything was being canceled, can't get out, shelter in place, social distancing, someone, I don't remember who, one of the, one of the campus pastors, there are eight of us, so one of the seven others besides me, because I know I didn't say it, said something along the lines of, after World War II, we saw a baby boom. And he went on to say, I fear after this, we're going to see a divorce boom. Mm. I hated that. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate it because I thought he was wrong. I hated it because I wanted him to be wrong, but I knew in my gut he's probably right. And the thinking was because we're going to be cooped up 
And a lot of reasons there's work to go to or business travel is because couples are not having to deal with some major things or they're able to cover up things by being gone. And so it was one of those things where I was like, oh, man, I pray and hope that's not right. Yeah. And last week I came across an article. I have the app Flipboard at your recommendation. Yes. Where you can kind of cater what what articles you want to read. And This came up on my Flipboard uh, as I was scrolling through it. The title of the article, this is from Vice, and I know nothing about Vice. This is the only article, to my knowledge, I've ever read on Vice. So if you go on vice.com and see some shady stuff, my apologies. This came up on Flipboard, and I read the article. The article's title was, People are getting busted for affairs in coronavirus lockdown. The subtitle, Spouses are uncovering secrets like cheating, porn, and alcohol addictions and money problems, says divorce attorney. So that piqued my interest because I'm a pastor. It piqued my interest because I'm married. <laughs> and I've been I've been in my in my home with my with my wife and children far more often than I normally am. Uh, and it piqued my interest because of what the campus pastor said several weeks ago when this when this first started. So I continued to read the article and it just bothered me. It bothered me because I just can't help but think they're right. The article went on to talk about how divorce attorneys are preparing for when the courts open back up to be bombarded with phone calls. Uh, some have already started to receive phone calls so when when they can they can they can leave their spouse and they're just they're just surviving. And Dave, the the remedy for the article or what wasn't really a remedy is basically just here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. But it was as if the only options were survive. And then as soon as you can, get divorced. And that just bothered me. Just take it, just survive, and wait until you can and then get divorced and move on and go to the next thing. Which is, I think, a common cultural yeah. uh, thought. Yeah. Just get to the point where you can get out. Yeah. I want to be very careful here. And I, and I wrote about this on my blog, and it's another reason I wanted to talk about this on the podcast is... I, I I take note of articles that strike a nerve, mm-hmm. uh, something that's written or something that I will repost that strikes a nerve, and this definitely has. Uh, I've received an email um, and, and some comments regarding this post, and um, I, th- I think it's worth us exploring a little bit. Anyway, what I was going to say is, Dave, I want to be very careful in, in, in saying, okay, somebody's sitting there thinking, well, Pearson, you've you've got a great marriage. You've never been divorced. You don't know how hard it is. How can you talk this way? I want to be very, very careful. I don't dare want to give the uh, idea that I don't think it's horrific at times. It's hard. There are some circumstances that some people just can't get past. Mm-hmm. And so this isn't a blanket podcast where you say, just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get on with it. Right. That is not what I'm wanting to imply here. I want to help our listeners, in particular the West Franklin, where God's called me to pastor, to explore and exhaust all options, and and the only options are, aren't just survive and divorce. All right. Well, let's get into it and talk about what those options are. Well, they're, they're probably more than I could ever dream of, but there, there are several things. Like, for instance, is has, has God put you and your spouse together in a home, whether, whether with kids or, not, or, or no kids, where you're working together in order to cause you to 
hate each other? I think the answer to that would be no. Right. And so there's something else at play here. There's an enemy that hates your marriage. There's an enemy that hates you. Mm-hmm. There's an enemy that wants you to think everything wrong with your spouse. And what if what if instead of shelter in place means let me just survive, I hate this person, what if shelter in place is a time where you actually have to expose all secrets mm. and come clean? Yeah. Which isn't going to be easy. Nope. It's not going to be hard. And some of you are thinking, well, you just don't know my spouse. No, I don't. But perhaps going through the awful season of coming clean will bring about a maturity and health on the other side. Yeah. Okay. So, Matt, as I think about that, though, yes, I think with hard work. But I think most folks, wouldn't they go, man, I just am opening myself up for more disagreement, more tension, more pain. Why would I want to do that to myself? It's a great question. And perhaps that's true. Perhaps you get a third party by Zoom or FaceTime. Keeping it in, trying to cover it up, trying to avoid getting caught never works. Right. Your sins will find you out. Right. And you just pointed out something there just a little bit ago. You said, hey, we have an enemy working against us. But let's be honest. We also have a sin nature yeah. working hard against yeah. us too, whether yeah. we're followers of Christ or not. And by nature, we're all pretty selfish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially in our marriages. Oh, yes. I heard a, a, a therapist say this to me. Katie and I have gone to, to get help for, for various things throughout the years. And uh, I don't know. I hope this will be helpful to someone out there. The therapist said to me one time and to Katie, you're not going to fix your spouse. Quit trying. Worry about you. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that seems to contradict what you just said, that we're very selfish. But the point is, the reason we're selfish is because we want them to adhere to what we want them to be. Yes. And the therapist, the counselor was saying to me and my wife, you're not going to fix each other. God does that. Yeah. We're also selfish in that we, uh, from my marriage experience, I'm looking at what I want, mm-hmm. not what is best for my spouse, mm-hmm. who I've said to God, hey, yeah. I'm going to honor and cherish her. Yeah and do everything I can to minister to mm-hmm. her, a lot of times it's going, well, you're not doing this for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. blah, 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 in yeah. my head. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you're right. All we can do is focus on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and when it comes to – the reason we don't want to focus on ourselves is we know how much, what a piece of work we are. Yes. And we've got to admit that. And we like to think we're always right. Right. Well, Dave, what if our church marriages, our Christian marriages, looked at this season as a gift from God? Yes, Definitely. Instead of a, oh my gosh, what is happening now? Yeah. What if it's a gift? Again, that just takes putting aside the selfishness and the familiarity of Mm -hmm. routines. I mean, I know when we started having to work from the house, there's several moments where I'm like, I don't know that I can be Mm -hmm. here as Mm -hmm. much as I'm supposed to be here. And it took a few days of lament, woe is me, selfish, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. To realize, man, I've got an opportunity to really hang out with my wife and my kid. I need to embrace that and enjoy it as much as I can because there will be a season where I have to go back to the office Mm -hmm. and I won't be able to just say, I've been up on the computer for two hours. I'm going to go take a 30-minute play break and Mm -hmm. hang out with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that's a huge perspective to take. Let's let's. This is a gift from God. I mean, I think I've said this on the podcast in the last several weeks, Dave, but I still, I mean, what, six, seven weeks into this deal, coming home, 
And uh, when I drive into my neighborhood, especially if it's late afternoon, couples, families are everywhere walking. Mm-hmm. And it's just fantastic to see. Mm-hmm. Become one of the highlights of our, our day, 6.30, yeah. 7 o'clock every night. We're out strolling the neighborhood. Yeah. Katie and I have made that a must-do every night. Nice. If the kids, one of the kids want to come along, they can, but most of the time they don't. No. Because they like having a few minutes at home without mom and dad. Well, and you two are no longer fun and cool parents, let's just be honest. No, no. That, that left about age three of our kids. Oh, really? Yeah. That that long ago, huh? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Another question I asked on the blog is, what if what if you looked not to a lawyer to fix you, which they're not going to fix you. They may fix the moment, but look to the living Christ to mm. redeem you. What if before you started thinking, my only hope's a lawyer, the only way this is going to get fixed is a lawyer. And I, again, there, there may be times and situations you need a lawyer. I'm not saying never. But before you do that, what if you look to the living Jesus, the living Christ, to redeem you, redeem your marriage, redeem your family? Mm. It's not going to come overnight. It's not going to come usually over months. It's going to come over time. Yes. What if you leaned into that before what the culture says, and that is just, just get a divorce and, and move on? That time thing, though, that we're not really good with no. things that take a lot of time to get to. No, we want it, at least I do, immediately. Microwave society. Yeah. God, give me patience, but hurry up. Yes. So that's going to take a lot of work on our end also. Yeah, it is. Most sanctification most transforming work where G- where God makes us like Jesus takes years. A lifetime. Years. And perhaps I heard it said by Dave Cruz, a lifetime. Yes. It just does. There's no microwave Christian. It just doesn't work that way. No. So lean into the process. Ask God to give you insight into the process. Mm. Speaking of culture. Yes. This Sermon on the Mount series that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Jesus asked this question towards the end of chapter 5. He says, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Hmm. In other words, how are you living that demonstrates your heart has changed? How are you living that demonstrates you have surrendered to the king of the universe, Jesus? And so I would just ask our couples out there that maybe you're leaning into this and begin to question if their thinking has been wrong about surviving a divorce. What are you doing that it's not ordinary. What are you doing that's outside the norms of a culture? How are you demonstrating to the world that you beat to a different drum? You operate under the Lord, loving lordship of Jesus Christ. And so I just, just, just lean into that. And, and, and let me plead with you to don't assume surviving and divorce are the only options. They're not. No. Exhaust all options. If you think your husband needs to talk to someone, call his best friend and say, I don't care what he says, call him and tell him I called you and say, y'all need to go talk. So many people don't tell anybody because they're afraid of what somebody's going to say. Listen, when your marriage is in the ER, you don't care whose or what mechanism is being put on you. You're going to do whatever's necessary to save you. So don't be afraid. I cannot tell you, Dave, over my years of pastoring, how many times I've heard, no, don't do that. They will explode. Yeah. No, don't do it. I'm telling you, if you, Dave, find out that Katie and I are having major issues and we're on life support and you're thinking, I better not do that. It's going to upset Matt. 
do it. Oh, I will. You have my full permission. I want you to love me enough to yes. do that. Yes. And I, I encourage you. If you got, if you're a friend of a marriage that you know is struggling through this, take the risk and make the phone call. Take the risk and socially distant yourself enough, but still talk to them. Do everything you can so that you don't have any regrets. Yeah. As I think on this, and I'm sure you have more there, I also think it's wise for us to remember marriage, we've said it, it is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And I think so many times we buy into this romantic view of marriage of, well, the spark has Mm -hmm. gone out. Mm -hmm. You know what? The spark is there to create the fire. Mm -hmm. But if you really work with a fire, it takes a lot of work Mm -hmm. to keep a good fire going. Mm -hmm constantly having to find new fuel, constantly having to make sure that there's nothing that the, that can cause the fire to get out of the boundaries that it's been set mm-hmm. within. I mean, I was building a fire in my backyard a couple of weeks ago with a burn pile and I just I was just reminded this is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd just start it and walk away mm-hmm. and I was out there for 4 hours working on this thing, making sure it was a healthy fire. Yeah. Well, that's a great analogy. Great analogy. I I, I hear over and over again the spark's gone. Yeah. Did you say, till death do you part? Exactly. Till the spark's gone? Yes. And everything we watch on TV, the marriage is fixed, or the problem is fixed in 30 minutes, an hour, or if it's a movie, but an hour and a half. Or, or a season, yeah. uh, if it's a show. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's not real. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> it's not real life. Oh, and so, yes, and God can restore a spark, but even if he doesn't, love your spouse. Yeah, but I know I took my vows before God. And I think a lot of times we forget that. We just think, I just made some promises to this person over here. I didn't know what I was talking about at the time. No, but I mean, when I look back, now I'm like, oh, man, the weight behind those words, the vows that I took, yes, I was looking at Melissa as I gave them, but Mm -hmm. really I was offering them up to Mm -hmm. God saying, God, I am going to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some moments we look back and laugh at, like for richer and poorer and things like that. Mm-hmm. Melissa actually laughed in our ceremony at that part because she knew we were going into ministry. But, you know, <laughs> I, I just I think so many times we forget what we have said to God and we forget just how much weight mm-hmm. God puts on our words. I mean, Jesus said it in Matthew 5, let your yes be yes. Don't take an oath. Right. Simply let your word be your word. But here we stand before God in one of the institutes, marriage that he has created, saying, God, I am taking this person. I'm going to honor them. I'm going to cherish them in good times and in bad. And we're, we seem to forget that we said something similar to that. Do you know Jesus says that right after he talks about divorce? Mm-hmm. Right after it? Yeah. yeah. Marriage is more than a feeling. Yes. Many of us think, Dave, that Marriage is the ultimate and the final, and life will not work, period, unless marriage is working on all cylinders. Mm. Nowhere is that found in the Bible. Right. Um, I'm grateful for James Dobson and ministries like Focus on the Family. Love it. Recommend it. Mm -hmm. But the problem is you can focus too much on the family. Mm -hmm. The ultimate is your relationship with God. Yes. And you're abiding in God and living out that reality. So I wonder if sometimes we put marriage up as an idol, and when it comes crumbling down, we associate it with Christianity or we associate it with God doesn't want me in this, 
and it's really an idol. From my experience in the last, I don't know, five, six years with, with uh, working with young adults and stuff, the wedding mm. is the idol. Yeah. And oh, no one yeah. knows what Great to do point. after the wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know. When I do premarital counseling now, I say, okay, I'm not, I'm not here to talk about your wedding. Exactly. So the very last time we meet, we'll go over what's going to do and, yeah. the, you know, at the rehearsal, I'm here to prepare you for a marriage. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I mean, how much money is spent? Which, again, nothing wrong with that, per se. If you have it and want to do it, that's great. Yes. But (laughs) there's going to be the the time you come home from the honeymoon or the very honeymoon, and you wake up, and you're like, what have I done? Yeah. Yeah. Or the first real fight hits, and all of a sudden it's like, I don't know how to handle this. Mm -hmm. Well, Dave, I want to pray for our people. Definitely. And unless there's anything else you need to add. So, okay, so you brought this up. You've said a few things. Any resources that you would— recommend folks if they're looking for a counselor where would you point them to let me just let me just encourage you and i mean this it will it will stay it will stay private email me or dave and let us connect you to a therapist a counselor let us recommend some books uh, my email address is m pearson at westfranklinchurch.com dave's is d cruz k-r-u-s-e at westfranklinchurch.com of course you can go to our website and find it email us um, we're not going to blast it anywhere. We will do our best to pastor you well. And there, if there's some specific resources, things I can give you, I want to We'll be we'll be more than happy to help you with that. Jesus, I thank you for being able to talk like this and hopefully challenge, encourage, minister, bless, push some of our members to be followers of Jesus in some of the most difficult of circumstances. Father, I pray for those marriages that are hanging on by threads right now, that you would strengthen those threads one moment, one day, one week, one month, one year at a time, and the marriage will be restored to what you want it to be. Not what they want it to be, what you want it to be, which I believe you will align ultimately. Father, for those whose marriages are, this this season has been a gift. Thank you for that. And may they be reminded of that. And may they make renewed commitments to spend more time together so they don't fall into the trap of, of drifting apart. For those who, who have been married uh, or they've lost a spouse or they've been married for a long time, uh, maybe you're feeling them called to reach out to a younger couple that they know uh, or to mentor or to disciple or to help. I pray that those kinds of things would happen. Father, I pray for your supernatural power by the power of your spirit to restore and to bring hope and to bring glory to your son Christ, who's the one who can do the impossible. Father, would you see to it that it's not just survival at home, but thriving? And may all options be exhausted before a lawyer's called. And I pray they'd even lose the number. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to remind you, Matt referenced a blog post that he put. That's mattpearsononline.com. I believe the date of that uh, blog post was April 28th. So if you're interested in reading his thoughts there, head over to his website. Matt, it's been a while since you've been sitting in that chair to do it, but it's time for Unpack, where Matt Pearson shares one thought that didn't make this past Sunday's sermon. Matt, take it away. 
Yeah, Dave, something I haven't really talked about in the Sermon on the Mount uh, during my Sunday morning time is the, the sermon is like a string of pearls. It's not like building and building and building. It's more like it, it goes up a mountain, and many I've, I've read commentators say like the Lord's Prayer is the apex, and then you then you go back down. All of it's incredible, but it's like a string of pearls. They're they're all connected. Our Bibles have different sections, uh, kind of outlined, but Jesus didn't stop. Jesus went all the way through, and I've I've said this in other venues. I'm probably you're probably going to hear me say it over and over, but I, I believe this question is so important. You know, when Jesus says you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world, and uh, let your light so shine before others, so that they may see your good deeds and not give praise to you, but give praise to God. At, that I believe Jesus means live in such a way that people are asking the question, "Whoa, what makes you different?" Or, right. "Wait, who is your God?" Um, because I don't I don't see that. I don't. I, I'm, they may not like God, they may not want God, but they may think, I want that, that kind of life. That's interesting. Jesus asked this question at the end of the chapter, uh, and I, I touched on it for just a moment Sunday. That is, he just asked the question, what are you doing that's out of the ordinary? Uh, it's in relation to, if you love those who love you back, what is that? Even the Gentiles do that. Everybody a person who hates God and a person who loves God is going to love someone who loves them back. It takes a new heart to do something out of the ordinary. And I want, I want, I want our listeners to hear this, Dave, because I believed this lie for a long time. Most Christians, I say most, I'm assuming most Christians think that to be a real mature Christian, you need to sell everything you have, get on an airplane, move into a hut in Africa, and take the gospel to to the unreached. I'm all for that. If God calls you to that, do it. But if I'm understanding Jesus here, out of the ordinary isn't necessarily that. It's loving an enemy. Mm. It's loving someone who you don't like. And by love, I mean taking aggressive action towards pursuing reconciliation. Yes. That's mature Christianity. That's my unpack for the day. Man, that's solid. That's solid. I would say let's just end it right there, but you know, we got to talk with folks about a few other housekeeping things, right? So, listen, folks, we still are not gathering on campus. (laughs) I miss everybody. We are, I mean, our staff is just kind of going, how much longer? We want to tell y'all that there are conversations happening, um, but it is all fluid. So we keep thinking one date, and then we get new information, and it's a new date, and then we get new information, and it's another date. The second we know, we'll communicate. The second we know, yes, we will let you know. Uh, We want to remind you, though, that even though we aren't physically gathering on our campus, we are gathering in so many different ways. Social media, Facebook and Instagram, the Church at West Franklin, search us out. We are putting stuff out daily, sometimes more than daily, giving you just short videos, short thoughts, uh, words of encouragement, links to other campuses that are doing some cool things too because we're one big family of churches here at Brentwood. Uh, We are meeting as groups online. If you're looking for a group, if you haven't got community that way, reach out to me. I have a list of great groups that are meeting for a wide variety of ages. We would love to connect you with them. They're meeting on Zoom. They're meeting on uh, Skype. They're meeting other ways. We want to connect you. And then obviously last Sunday mornings, 9 and 1030, Facebook, YouTube, westfranklinchurch.com backslash live. Look for us. I'm glad you said that because last week or a week or so ago, uh, Facebook wasn't working. 
And so just remember that uh, if something like that happens, you have another option. This week it may be YouTube not working. Yeah. And go to Facebook. So either one of them are working. Hopefully that won't happen again. But if it does, know that there's another option. And not that we want you to go to another campus, but if for any reason both of our feeds are down, man, we have seven other great oh, campuses. Yeah. Please. And yeah. so don't don't miss out on worshiping um, with our family. And if it's not directly with our campus, at least with the family of Brentwood. All right, man. Matt, good, good topic. Great conversation. Hopefully the banter between us was uh, witty and sharp. We will find out from our commentators later. Hey, if you have any thoughts for us, email us. Let us know. We're always open to suggestions for topics. But until we come back with another episode, we hope you are well and the Lord blesses you and keeps you. Y'all have a good day.